Hello, everybody. How are you? Good? Good? It's summer, for those of you that don't work, right? Um, so this, week, this month is my favorite Jesus story, um, which is kind of a strange thing to ask someone, I think, because, I mean, the cross, right? I mean, who doesn't love the cross over everything else that Jesus did? Um, but for the sake of interestingness, um, I'm not going to speak on the cross directly tonight. Um, we're going to speak about a very true story, a very real story, and I want you guys to, to realize that talking about this um, series, every story you hear about Jesus was true. Um, when the word story is said, we often think of something fiction, something uh, made up, you know, like bedtime story, but these are real life events, um, things you would see in the news. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to address the story tonight. So we'll get right into it. Um, it's going to be up on the screen. It's found in Mark 10, verse 17, 17 through 22. Uh, this is the story of the rich young ruler. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but we're going to read it. Um, it says, As he went out into the street, a man came running up, greeted him with great reverence, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Then Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one's good. Only God. You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. And he said, the man said, teacher, I have from my youth kept them all. I'm perfect. And Jesus said, uh, Jesus looked him hard in the eye. He saw him. Jesus looked him hard in the eye. And he loved him. He loved him. Then he said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own, everything. Give it to the poor, all of it. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And then come follow me. This is what you lack. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he was not about to let go. So, it's a true story. This is a real man. It's a real boy who grew up thinking he was right, he was perfect. This is a real Jesus. He travels all the way across town, or states, cities, however far he traveled, to come find Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to travel across town to go talk to somebody if it's not serious. So he knew that what he was about to say to Jesus was important to him. So this is real. It's a real life story. And I want to look at this a little different. I'm not going to talk about money's bad tonight. Because I know that's what we always hear with this passage. Uh, I think this is a passage um, about two different relationships in our lives. There's one relationship, the relationship of lack. And there's another relationship, the relationship of enough. We're going to focus on those two tonight. So to lighten things up, I have another story for you guys. Uh, this is a story from my life. It's very true. Um, I'm embarrassed that my parents are here because now I have to actually tell the story in front of them. Um, so I actually have here, this is a diaper. I don't know if you guys know what it is. But it's not just any diaper. It's an adult diaper. Um, this is adult-sized and um, I think 
most of us would like to say we haven't ever had to use these. Um, I, however, have had the honor of using one. We, we had a warehouse when I was in college that had a bunch of stuff that we would give away to people who were in need. And we found a box of adult men's diapers. And um, not out of pure necessity, but some people who will remain nameless, including myself, did decide to test the durability of the adult diapers for about a day. And they work. So that is a true story. And if you guys are, um, are curious if they work, well, I, I have a surprise for you. I want you to all to check underneath your chairs right now. Uh, there should be about 18 diapers there for you guys. Um, so if you didn't get one, there's probably some underneath a chair near you. They're not used, I promise. But uh, just hold on to those. They're very important. Very important. So diapers. Diapers are good. All right. So just hold on to that thought. We're going to move on. Okay. So let's go back into the scripture, all right, for a second. Um, So verse 17, if you want to put it back up on the screen. So he went to Jesus, went out on the street, man came running up, greeted him with great reverence. It says that he actually, um, in other parts of scripture, it says he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. So literally got down on his knees in front of someone, which is an awkward thing to do if you've ever done it, and then said, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says this. He says, no one is good, only God. So this man is actually doing something very important. He is acknowledging Jesus as God, as divine. He realizes Jesus is special, He's not just any teacher. Now, in, in, and this is important in their culture because to be good means that you've obeyed the law. If you haven't, you're a sinner and you're no longer good. There's no gray area for, like there is for us, right? You know, I might sin a few times a day, but I also, you know, give to the poor. And you know, I give a guy a ride the other day and I changed someone's flat for him, paid for a guy's coffee at Starbucks. So I'm pretty good, Right? But the Jews would see someone sin and say, if you're a sinner, you're not good. So this man sees Jesus, gets on his knees, and says, you're good. You're perfect. You're God. This is something all of us at some point have had to come to the point of, of meeting up with Jesus and saying, are you or aren't you God? Are you good? Is the question. In the same way, We do this. We come to truth of the reality of God. And then Jesus goes on, and he does something really important here. He sees his relationship currently. Remember, we talked about the two relationships. Can anyone tell me what those were? Lack and enough. So we have the two two relationships. So if we look down, verse 20, you're going to put that back up. Um, This man says, teacher, I have, from my youth, kept them all. So the guy says to Jesus, look, I'm enough. You told me what I need to do. I'm enough. 
Then Jesus turns around, and next, he says, there's one thing left. Other translations say, there's one thing you lack. Jesus says, you're not enough. You're not in the relationship of enough. You're in a relationship of lack. And here's why. There's this thing that we often fail to see whenever we start to think we're enough, okay? Uh, because I've been, I've been there quite often. I've actually been there this week. Um, maybe I've been there today. Um, when we begin to think that our obedience is good enough for God's standards, then we begin to trust in ourselves, and we don't truly understand these two, two simple truths. First one is the caliber of the perfection needed for Jesus to become God. And the second is the caliber of mercy God's prepared to pour over us if we let him. Two powerful things. We often look at our goodness and we think, man, that's really good. Or we look at someone else who might be much better than us and we envy that. But here's the truth. It goes on to say in, um, Paul goes on to say that our Righteousness are, are like filthy rags. Our righteousness is worthless. I don't know if you've ever gone into study of that scripture, but filthy rags is not a good thing. It's basically saying a used diaper. Filthy rags. Our righteousness in the eyes of God. Because our righteousness is flawed. And then the second thing is the caliber of the mercy provided. So when we start to think that I'm good enough, we start to forget that God's got so much, so much better planned for us. And we go on, and Jesus does something beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, he goes on in, in verse 21. And he said, you have one thing left. Verse 1, yeah, looked him in the eye. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own, give it to the poor. All your wealth will be heavenly wealth. And come follow me. So he does something special. This man loves money, right? He loves wealth. He loves that idea of having enough. And Jesus says, don't worry. If you sell what you have and give it away, you'll have enough in heaven. So he takes this burden off of him that we see all the time, that we feel all the time. And he says, that burden's on me. You just give it away and come follow me. You'll have enough. So he lifts that burden off of him. And, and here's the truth, is that Jesus is it for us. And, and I get that in a special way, because I remember being single. I've been with my wife now, we just passed a year. And then before that, we just passed being together for three years, correct? Uh, we were dating for three years. And I remember before that having the stress of thinking, what if I meet someone that's not going to be, you know, it? It's not going to be the one, not going to be perfect, not going to be everything I looked for, not going to be enough. And then I found my wife, and she was awesome, and we got married, and then I realized she's not it. She's awesome. She's the woman of my dreams, but she's not enough to cover everything for me. There's a God for that. There's Jesus for that. And we do this, what our dependence is on is what we elevate the highest. We're going to look at, um, actually it's not going to be up on the screen, but 
Luke 14, verse 25 through 26. It's a passage of scripture where Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he stops them, turns around, and get this. He, he does this teaching that sounds completely alien to us. He says, I want you to hate your parents. I want you to hate your wife. I want you to hate your kids. I want you to hate your own life. And then I want you to count your cost and follow me. And if you can't do that, you can't be called my disciple. Now raise your hand if you think God's a God of hate. I'm not raising mine. (laughs) But we see this multiple times in Scripture. We see where God says that he loved Jacob and he hated Esau. We see where Jesus says, hate your family, love me. Now, this idea of hate, if you look back in the original languages, it actually means to love something less. So Jesus is saying, love your parents less. Love your wife less. Love your kids less. Love your life less. And we look at this as a, as a family idea. So for a Jew, being a Jew means you get into heaven, right? That's huge. Like for us, if we think we're a Christian, we go to a non-profit or non-denominational, interdenominational church, we're going to get into heaven, right? We go to Assemblies of God Church, we're going to get into heaven. We go to a Baptist church, we're going to get into heaven. But the truth is, if we follow Jesus, we're getting into heaven. That's what saves. And, and so we're elevating these things in our life, and we're depending on those things, like your family, like your wife, like your status, like your popularity, like your things, like your money, like your dreams. And Jesus says, love those less. Love me more. Love those less. So I, I kind of want to bring this into some modern day light. My wife, she's wonderful. She's back there if you don't know her. Um, She started going to cosmetology school, which is pretty awesome. It's one of her dreams. And so I'm so glad we're getting to do that for her. But she goes to work at 8 a.m. every day, Monday to Friday. And then she gets off work at 5. She goes to school at 5.30. She gets home at 9.30. So I see my wife in about 15 minutes when we wake up, scramble around, get our clothes on, and go to work. <laughs> and about 15 minutes when she gets home, because we're kind of like old people, and we just go to sleep you know, at 9.45. Um, so I don't see my wife much. And, and this didn't seem like it was going to be such a big deal to me. I didn't realize this. But I almost went into a tailspin about four weeks ago, realizing, what am I going to do with all my time? Who am I going to talk to all this time? Who am I going to hang out with? Like... <laughs> All my friends, like, they don't want to hang out with me. They don't know. <laughs> like, I, I have one friend. <laughs> what am I doing with myself? I have a puppy, and her and I have a, had a lot of bonding time. We really have. I love her. Um, but here's the, the truth is I was depending, obviously, on my time with my wife more than I was my time with God. Because I read my, my Bible more than a few times a week. I pray at least every day. I, I, I try to pray at least every day. I go to church at least twice a week or more. But if I missed one of those, my day's not ruined. You know, my week's not going into a tailspin because I haven't elevated Christ to that point yet. And I'm working on that. 
And I think we all kind of agree that that's, that's a process. But Jesus does something wonderful here. And, and we're going to talk about those two relationships. Is We have that relationship of lack and that relationship of enough. That relationship of lack means that I need to keep doing things to get to God. That makes us no different than Jews. No different than Muslim people. No different than Buddhists. No different than any other religion. When Christ came and he did something wonderful, he died for us. Now, I'm going to use my wife again because it's the most obvious thing for me to talk about in my life. Um, Now, what would you guys think if my wife came home from a long day of work and she had just, you know, it was so hard. She got yelled at by her boss and she went to school. She failed a test. And then her, you know, sister decided to tell her that she didn't like her anymore. And she came home from work and all these things happened to her, but she she wasn't mad. I said, "Hey, hey, why aren't you upset? You said all you had such a bad day." So, well, I um, I called another guy on the way home and talked to him about it, and he really helped me out. I mean, he he's just so great. He was so he he gave the best advice. Man, he he was so understanding. He listened to me so well. I would be livid. Literally, I would drop everything and walk out the house. <laughs> I would be done at that point. Now, let's, let's take this even deeper. Um, what if the, the man she called on the way home was in the sixth grade? Sixth grade boy, she called. Best advice. Such a good listener. This kid, man, he's, he's awesome. <laughs> this is, I think, a clear parallel between the way that we elevate things over the way we elevate God. Because we depend on these things that Jesus is looking down. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. It doesn't say it's in Scripture, but I'm sure he's looking down and saying, Why? (laughs) Why do you call that sixth grade boy? (laughs) Why do you depend on that money? Why do you depend on that family? Why? I am so much better. I'm it. Do you not get it? Like, I am it. Jesus is not telling us to get rid of our things, get rid of our family because he wants us lonely and poor. He's telling us to get rid of those things because he realizes our lives won't be complete unless we completely devote ourselves to him. Unless we get over that hurdle of thinking that if we do enough, we'll be enough because we won't. We just won't. Now, we have this, this same picture with the rich young ruler. At the end, he's broken, and he rejects this relationship of enough. He walks away from it. How can we not do that? That's what I want us to walk away from tonight, realizing how can we not do that? I, I want everyone to, to stand up. Can everyone stand up right now? So I want you... To sit down if you've never peed yourself. Never in your whole life. Not since you were, not even when you were a baby. You've never peed yourself. You've never peed yourself. Sit down if you've never, ever peed yourself. Okay, so everyone's still standing, right? 
because we don't have a perfect record. I want you to sit back down. So you've seen everyone here is just like you. Every last person in the room has at some point peed their pants. Now, now here's another question. If you have peed your pants in the past, why aren't you wearing a diaper? Why not? You, you pretty much trust yourself, right? You've got this. It's been a while, right? Hopefully, it's been a while. If it hasn't, you have, I mean, free diapers. Um, but here's the thing. This is what we do with our lives. We failed ourselves in the past. We've sinned. And right now, we might not have. We might not be that bad. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, I'm pretty good. Jesus, you're a good teacher. I love you. I'm enough, right? I've done enough. I am enough. I've kept all, I've kept all the commandments. Jesus wasn't fooled. Jesus wasn't surprised. Like, oh my gosh, me too. The two of us, we're both perfect. Keep it up. They'll crucify you too. No, Jesus knew. He knew the imperfection in this guy's life. It wasn't a question in his mind. Jesus knows yours as well. That's why he died. That's why. And get this. You've peed yourself in the past. One day you'll be wearing these again. Right? More than likely. More than likely. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but there's a hurdle we need to get over. We have to get over the hurdle of realizing that we can never be enough. No matter what, no matter how much we obey, and we have to grab onto this fact that Jesus never asked us to be perfect. He never asked us to be enough. He did the hard work for us. We need to trust him. It's a small idea, but it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. And when you do it, it'll free you. And you might do it for a minute one day. You might do it for 10 minutes the next or an hour the next. But I promise you it's the most useful pursuit of your time. Because when we get caught up thinking, I need to obey, I need to obey, I need to read, I need to pray, I need to go to church, I need to do these things, I need to serve, I need to volunteer, we forget what I needed has been paid for. The rest is just icing on the cake. And so as the band comes up, um, I'm going to read this statement, and then I'm going to pray out. Um, I think the statement's going to be on the screen. It's a little wordy, and it might be a little small, but um, it's by a theologian named Chris Hutchinson. He says, so we should properly ask, am I the rich young ruler? Am I holding on to any self-reliance? 
any self-confidence, any self-focus at all, which is keeping me from truly receiving the free grace of God's gospel. If so, I must let it go and come to the cross empty-handed, surrendering my will to his, and my self-reliance decreases, so Christ in me increases, making me more and more who I was always meant to be, a child of God. That's who you're meant to be. You're not meant to be the teacher's pet. You're not meant to be the most popular kid, the richest man, the most successful woman. You're meant to be a child of God. That's it. That's it. That's why he died. That's why he came. He died for you because he knew if he didn't, your life would suck. It would. You would be lost. So um, let's go ahead and pray tonight and uh, the band will end the night. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much for what you've done. And I apologize for not recognizing it all the time for what it was. I apologize if my consistent need to obey, my consistent need to be enough has in any way put a damper on the truth that you're enough, that you're all I need. God, I pray that tonight you're just opening our eyes, if only a little, to the the wonderful gospel, the simple gospel that says Christ died and we are now alive in him. So God, I thank you so much for your word. Christ, I thank you so much for becoming that word and living amongst us. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence today, your presence here, your presence tomorrow, that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, and you remind us that we're enough now because we are with you, because you complete us, that our obedience is made perfect in the eyes of God when it's seen through the lens of the blood of the Lamb. So we just thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.